Today's special post-trade deadline episode of the BS Podcast brought to you by SeatGeek. That's been our presenting sponsor since 1976. Basketball, NHL, music, wrestling, opera. My mom buys opera tickets on SeatGeek. She swears by the deals. There's got to be at least three people listening to this podcast who also like operas. Buy and sell two tic- Buy and sell your tickets in just two taps on your phone with SeatGeek. Everything fully guaranteed, and it's the best place to shop for tickets thanks to their revolutionary grading system. Check it out. Download the SeatGeek app today or go right to SeatGeek.com. I got to be honest. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while and you haven't gone to SeatGeek yet, you're hurting my feelings. Not as much as it hurt Chris Ryan's feelings when they traded Neurons Noel yesterday, but almost as much. We're also brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. They bring the mortgage process into the 21st century. We're 17 years into the 21st century, so that makes sense. Do everything on your phone or tablet. If you're looking to refinance your mortgage or buy a home, check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com slash Bill Simmons, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Number 3030, again, quickenloans.com slash Bill Simmons. And also, we're brought to you by TheRinger.com. That's where I wrote uh, a post-trade deadline mailbag that at some point is going up today or this weekend. We had a disaster, which we'll talk about in a second with that column, thanks to my laptop. But uh, I put up a bunch of podcasts this week. We had two BS podcasts, J.J. Reddick and Ben Thompson from Stratechery. Very happy with those. But then I also went on the Ringer NBA show to talk about the Boogie Cousins trade. I went on the Ringer NFL show to ask Mike Lombardi what was going to happen with NFL free agency. And I went on Bachelor Party. Six pods in one week. It was a six podcast week, Chris Ryan. That's what the trade deadline does for me. Uh, So we have Kevin O'Connor, Chris Ryan, and my friend Joe House on the line. We're going to do a four-man trade deadline podcast. But first, Eddie Vedder. Which one of us is Buke and which one of us is Steiner in this situation? <laughs> and then what does that make house? It's a lot of pressure for whoever's Buke. That's the wrong analogy. <laughs> the proper way to think about this is as a delicious Cubano sandwich. <laughs> Let's talk about some ingredients. It's lunchtime out here on the East Coast, Chris Ryan. You we ready got to roll? your roast pork, your glazed ham, delicious Swiss cheese. And I already know who's going to be the dill pickle. The dill pickle brings it all together and adds that little, that little crunch. That's my boy Kevin O'Connor. Uh, Kevin O'Connor is the dill pickle here. What's going on, Jim? We may as well just make that the star of the podcast. <laughs> That's Joe House, Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer, Chris Ryan. Trade deadline happened. Disappointing actual end of the deadline, but for the most part, an action-packed month. Yeah, a hell of a early part of the deadline. Abaka and Boogie. I mean, Boogie was a monster Boogie's trade. Boogie's a monster Boogie trade. Boogie ruined our three-day presidential weekend. 
Yeah. Which I both appreciate and didn't appreciate. We did have company at my house, one of my wife's good friends and her husband, and just was not expecting to be on my iPad for <laughs> seven straight hours refreshing Twitter. Did you see that coming, Kevin? It, it kind of just took over the All-Star game. Yeah, that was yeah. what I thought. I mean, like me, I was sitting next to Micah Peters from The Ringer, and like, you know, it suddenly it became like looking at your phone, wondering what Woj was going to bomb next and not watching the game on the floor in front of us. Woj carpet bombed the All-Star game house. He, he, he was the only interesting thing about the All-Star game. I know. You know, the boogie thing overshadowed what would have been the subplot of that All-Star game, which was how bad the All-Star game is. And there's which is this, that it sucked? Yeah, well, you know, on the one hand, it's like, who cares? It's the All-Star game. But on the other hand, I don't understand why it has to be terrible. I don't understand why we've just completely given up on defense or any semblance of actual basketball play but i guess that's a story for another time you were there it was horrible right yeah, I, I mean i thought all three nights were kind of horrible really in terms of the product on the floor i like steve kerr's idea you know some there needs to be some incentive for the players whether it's charity or something like that that incentivizes the players to play defense because it, it's not fun at the, this point right now what would you do chris ryan i i can't think of anything you would do unless you were actually going to make it a, like a worthwhile thing for for the players like i it, unless you financially incentivize it i don't really know why would you go out there and you like risk twisting an ankle i was thinking you you make it four quarters each each quarter is a you fresh win start the quarter to win the quarter and every quarter is worth like five million dollars oh, like for this game. game yeah it's yeah. almost like skin, and maybe it rolls over yeah. if it's a tie and they're saying it's got to be the answer has to be better than what we witnessed it's too bad because i feel like until about 91 92 the guys actually tried in the all-star game and it meant something and it really meant like who was on the court at the end of the games and things like that anyway boogie cousins uh we've had a few days the best theories i've heard about what happened on sunday one was that the trade was done on before the all-star game and the nba told them we can't announce it till after you're not ruining the all-star game which i actually do believe that one i mean boogie certainly doesn't believe that because that was he found out about that at the locker after the game so he didn't have any idea that but, was a super genuine reaction but what if the teams agreed before the All-Star? well vladi suggests otherwise because vladi said he had a okay. better deal two days prior to sunday that he didn't take it and he needed to take what he could get well, do you I mean, believe that story i, I no, know Kevin? generally the nba likes to wait until to hold trade calls on mondays right, right. so I, I do buy into that but it did seem like you know with the timing of everything that they were still looking for better offers out there despite the fact that vivek ronald that diva Obviously loved Buddy Heal, and that's the guy he wanted. Hass, what do you think? Uh, the report that I saw suggested that they had a better deal in place with New Orleans, that um, the deal got worse, <clears throat> and, and that the culprit in terms of the deal getting worse was uh, DeMarcus's agent, who was trying to scuttle the thing by any means necessary so they could get to the summer and try and get uh, Boogie that mega max. Yeah, he uh, said that. he wouldn't resign with anybody who traded for him. That was a Rick yeah. Buecher report. I still feel like I keep looking at the Lakers and how that all played out. And I know for a fact, because I've talked to people, that Mitch Kupchak was trying to trade for Boogie that whole weekend. And then all of a sudden, you know, and then he's gone. So I, I always, I've been wondering, was there a Laker trade that he wanted to do that then Jeannie Buss like called Magic and was like, Magic, we're about to do this trade. What should we do? And he's like, that's crazy. And then he pulled a power play. Or was there a, was there a Laker trade that he didn't want to do? That Magic said, that's crazy. We should have done that. Yeah, because Boogie is, I mean, when you look at the legacy of the Lakers, I mean, they're just always defined by having a great center, right? You know? Yes. And that this makes sense. 
So the fact that maybe he didn't want to include Ingram or whatever it was that he didn't want to include, we don't know. I could see that being more than Cupcheck being like, I want to do this deal, and Genie and Magic saying, like, no, we have to keep Ingram. But I, but they didn't have their first round pick is the part I don't get. I think that's it's not a guaranteed pick. That that's the issue for them. Like in any trade, I, I know Jake Fisher from Sports Illustrated reported that the Lakers held out Ingram in boogie talks, hoping to use him for Butler or Jordan, which kind of makes sense. But yeah. even then, they can't do that until the summer because they don't have their pick right now. House, do you like Brandon Ingram? He's okay. He's still he's so young and still so skinny. I feel like he has growing. Um, I'm, it's not a perfect comparison to compare him to, to Bradley Beal, but Bradley Beal had, has been growing since he arrived here in Washington. He is, for this season, for the first time, looks like he's in the body that he's going to be in for the rest of his professional career. So I give um, Ingram, Ingram kind of an incomplete right now. He's not physical enough to compete and be on the floor for um, 30 minutes a game. What's the deal with Duke uh, guys but, uh, coming you know, into the league skill. and not looking good? Duke guys, like Duke guys coming into the league and not being physically like right there yet. Now you're just now you're just trying to get Tate more involved in this podcast. I feel like. <laughs> Isn't that true though? Tate, is that because they? I heard a rumor because they they all go eat at the same place at, in in North Carolina and it's not good for them. You think it's Don't like the smoking Carlos and drinking? Boozer came in, right? <laughs> yeah, Car- well, Carlos yeah. Boozer was thirty when he came in. That's, that's he was thirty. Of- that's right. Right, he came in ready. Th- th- that place aged Carlos Boozer, but Okafor, Kyrie had a, it was dinged up when he came into the league. Jabari, I I said this to Chris Vernon on the Ringer NBA show on Monday. If Ingram was the deal breaker, I don't understand that. I and you follow the college way more than I do, Kevin. But I'm not ruling out anything with Ingram. He's definitely he tries hard. He he seems like he could develop into something. I just haven't seen the enough of the flashes yet. I, I think with Ingram, I would have him ranked behind. Jason Tatum this year and Josh Josh Jackson maybe Jonathan Isaac too I think Ingram's oh, wow. really good I think he'll be a really good player but I, some of those Kevin Durant comparisons we saw last season that's just outrageous like Ingram's a solid overall that? player yes I want to send that person a, pre- a present <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's not going to smell good he's He's tall and skinny like Kevin Durant was. Yeah. I mean, like, Kevin Durant had one of the greatest college seasons anyone's ever had and was playing out yeah. of position at the five and was carrying their offense and was putting up double doubles every night. was playing for Rick Barnes. Yeah, it was playing yeah. for Rick Barnes. And it, like he was insane that season. He knew he was a freshman. Whereas Ingram is more solid overall. Like, you know, people talk about him as a scorer, but he's a pretty good passer, too. I, I look at him as kind of like the second guy behind your star. So, you know, for the Pacers, obviously you're not going to just accept Brandon Ingram and D'Angelo Russell in a trade. You're going to want that Lakers pick if they were able to keep it. Well, I, so I think, like, I want to get back to Boogie, but just quickly on the Pacers, like, there's no way that they're trading Paul George in February when they don't know how the ladder is going to play out. And that's why I was very skeptical with with this whole thing. Unless Paul George went to them and said, I'm 26, I want to play for a title this season, which he didn't, you keep him. You wait. You want to see, like, their best case scenario is the Lakers get the first pick and the Celtics get the second pick, and they just play play them off each other, you know, for Paul George. And, And what happens if the Lakers get the fifth pick and the Celtics get the third pick? Or, or Brian Colangelo ends up getting the Lakers pick and the Sixers win the lottery themselves and they decide to end the process and, you know, go all in, trade those picks for Paul George, even if they aren't sure that he's willing to re-sign there. Go ahead, Chris Ryan. Um, you want to do this now? Yeah, let's do it now. <laughs> we'll go back to Boogie. Uh, that's great. That would be a great scenario. I don't know if I would actually even, you know, given how, what people are saying about this draft, would you trade the one and the three for Paul George? 
Or like one the and four. The one and the one three? And the four. What did you yeah. trade one and four for Paul? Yeah, I went through this when I was writing my column. Really took a look at Paul George. Seventh best forward in the league. Right? Mm-hmm. He's not, he can't make the All-NBA team this year because there's six forwards better than him. He's 26. He's like a 43% shooter. He's a 22-6-3 and three every game. He's a great defensive player. I, w- I wouldn't say he's the best, but he's on the level below Ka- Kawhi. And he can fit in with whatever you want to do. Yeah, he I like small, the fact that he plays ball. off the ball. Yeah. He's very good. He went to war with LeBron in two conference finals. It's not like you're getting Kawhi Leonard. Like I, I think there's eight that there's the eight players that are the, the best. And then there's guys underneath them, and he's one of the guys underneath them. And to that, it's like I wouldn't trade the one. I would trade one of those pick. Like I would trade one for Paul George. I wouldn't trade one and three. I think that's insane. I'm so through the looking glass on this that I can't. One of the things that I wanted to see yesterday, and one of the reasons why the Sixers deadline was so disappointing, was because I wanted if you were going to trade guys like Nerlens and Jaleel with those picks, I wanted them to be part of a package. For, for a, a bigger yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to just Same. give away two top five draft picks in the best draft we've seen in a long time for like what you're saying, a guy who's like like basically an A minus. Yeah, know? you want it, you, You're hoping that you get an A plus in that draft, right? That's the whole point of going through this this whole these years of accruing these picks. House, what do you think? I, I think of it from the Pacers' point of view. Um, they they made the calculus that it was a there's a no downside trial balloon to go ahead and floating out there the possibility that George could be uh, available um, for the offer just to see if something crazy um, materialized because we have uh, uh, uncon- incontrovertible proof that the, the folks running these teams are effing out of their mind right so if somebody wanted to make an unbelievable crazy offer why not see if that that comes out but um, the right thing to do for the Pacers is exactly what you said at the outset of this, which is just to tight uh, until the, the lottery and see what the, the picks actually turn into for the teams that have picks as assets. Kevin, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I got the impression that the Paul George trial balloon stuff was more of an ownership thing, and Larry Bird was more like, no effing way. I, I think for them, I mean, it's similar to what Joe just said, like, wait to see if someone blows them away, because at this point, yeah. right, there, there's no reason to rush into a deal, right? Because I don't. I think teams might feel the same way about Paul George, like as Bill mentioned earlier. Like I look at George and I'm like, how does this guy not score 28 points per game? And I think the key thing is, is because he doesn't get to the free throw line. Like he can shoot from outside, he can create his own shot, but the one thing he can't do at like a super high level is draw fouls at will. He can't get to the rack, and that's what the, the key ingredient for a lot of superstars. And Maybe that's something he he just needs to commit himself to, but he hasn't shown it throughout over the course of his career, except for like short flashes where he like opens up the year a couple years ago, like averaging twenty nine a game. Like that's where we saw the Paul George I think everybody thinks of. But all he's really shown over the course of his career is like he's a twenty three point per game guy, which isn't what you would deal the number one pick and the number four pick and future assets for. So he's like like you said, Chris, an A minus right now when you want that A plus if you're dealing all that. I mean, I wouldn't have traded. And look, I'm I'm not a homer with, with trades. Like I'm pretty, I would say I'm almost tough on evaluating the Celtics' own assets. But I wouldn't have traded the Brooklyn pick and Jalen Brown for him. I would have traded the Brooklyn pick and Jay Crowder because then it's like the upgrade from Jay Crowder to Paul George. I could make the finals. Like that's worth doing. And it's a fifty percent chance. It's sure. a forty-six percent chance I'm getting one of those top two anyway. This is the problem. The pick that, might be the third or fourth pick. But isn't part of the issue with the Celtics though is the the 
ticking clock on some of the guys like Crowder. I never buy what, like what ticking clock is there because, in terms of having to pay them. Yeah, but here's the thing: they're running the process simultaneously with having a top five team. That's the part that people forget. Like no, like when people look at you know the Lakers or Philly or nobody's like there's a ticking clock. It's like oh yeah, they're building something for the next twelve years. Like the Celtics. They can do that with Jalen Brown and this Brooklyn pick and next year's pick while they try to compete. So it's like, all right, if Crowder and Thomas leave, you're still replacing them with guys who are more talented. Yeah, but don't you think that that's kind of the same? So what you're talking about is the same schism or same debate that's happening within like the Philly like Sixers fan community, where it's like, at what point is enough get like asset accruing done? Are you done with that? And you yeah. go for a Butler or a George or a Boogie? But wait, but when you say go for it though. It would make sense if the price was fair. Like I don't to pay like two hundred cents on the dollar for Paul George makes no sense to me because you have the assets. But when else are you ever going to get? Like you have to identify. Boston's different because Boston has Boston is a competitive team that's like one player away from being in the finals. So the maybe, Sixers are years away, maybe being in the finals. Right, but the Sixers are House, never going to get. Who's going to be in the finals? House. <laughs> Cleveland and Golden State. Yes. Yes. What, yeah. what is my team going to possibly do to crack Cleveland and Golden State in the finals? Like if they if they traded all these guys go for Paul LeBron George, in the knee, that's what. Yeah, go that's what we should do. Is get a hitman. Back of his neck. Yeah, get it, a hitman. It's really all about the order of operations for the Celtics because, like, to your point, if the Celtics were to get Paul George, they're not on Cleveland's level and they're definitely not on Golden State's level. They're maybe not even on the Spurs level for that matter. Well, especially if Toronto's they gave up level. Smart and Bradley yeah. and Crowder <laughs> in the trade. Like that's ludicrous. So in a sense, the way I look at it is like if they wait till summer they can use their cap space to potentially sign a guy if you bring in gordon hayward and then trade for the star afterwards that's mm. the best order of operations for the celtics ultimately there's no guarantees there either it could turn out that they come up empty this offseason and then you know the celtics have a ton of young players in their roster and then we're asking the question should they rebuild should they be trading more guys away right. to get more that could be the question but i think it's all about the order of operations here for the celtics and they're and bank also, on that and you also have to look at like just what the history of trades are for good players right Right, like, would you trade for Chris Weberhouse? Uh, Googs, Googs, and three number yeah. ones, right? Right, three yep. unprotected number ones. Um, Kevin Love fetched Andrew Wiggins. Boogie fetched forty cents in the dollar. Dwight Howard fetched a whole bunch of crap that actually looked good for a little while, but then yeah. turned out not to be as good. But like. For the most part, nobody's been able to get a hundred cents on the dollar for a guy they were trying to trade. I can't remember. I think any team, instance of teams it. Teams wait too long. I think, yeah, they usually. wait too long, or they go too soon. Darren Williams was probably the best example of a really good haul. Yeah, you know, they got Derek Favors. They end up with the third pick. They got another first rounder. Like that's about as good as you're going to do. I liked what Denver got from Melo. That, 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 yeah, that core wound up getting like. Being really good regular season team under Carl, but did they get one yeah. All NBA guy for Carmelo? No. Yeah, it's really hard to get an All NBA guy for an well, All NBA guy. This is what guy. we're talking about with George too. It's just like even if you get an All NBA guy, it still might not be enough. You know what right. I mean? Like Denver's had a better record without Melo than uh, than Melo's had with the Knicks. Yeah. Like put put this way, if the Spurs said we're ready to trade Kawhi, they never would. That'd be like, all right, Jalen Brown, yeah. Brooklyn pick. I might even give you my next Brooklyn pick. I might just go all in because now I have one. Now I have a guy that could be the best guy in the finals. You but have, Paul George is not. You have the guy that makes LeBron shudder when he sees him yeah. come on the floor. Right, but the, so this is there's there's the, but like I can't believe you're th even one like cons like you, 
I you would deal that deal. Like you would have to do that deal. Isn't Kawhi. the whole point to get Kawhi? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But but my point is Paul George is not Kawhi. I actually think Jimmy do you think Jimmy Butler is better than Paul George right now as an asset? I so, do. I do. My I, hands I, up. I do too. Yeah. I, I think at the beginning of the season I would have said Paul George, but Jimmy Butler's made strides this I year. I think like, Jimmy Butler and Isaiah would drive each other crazy. That that's a kind of a thing that I agree with. Uh, I think they those, both even need the ball. They're so ball dominant. Yeah. Butler needs to be convinced to stop pounding the ball. Um, he hasn't had a reason to, to be convinced of that in Chicago yet. That's a Paul George would have fit in better with the Celtics team, but I think Butler's a better player. I agree with that. And I actually think I Butler think, um, can still get better. Whereas I'm not I sure agree. what Paul George is going to do at this point to get better unless his three-point shooting. Because he's not he, – guys don't start going to the line more as they hit their late 20s. They are what they are at that point. But they can get better shooters. With Jimmy Butler, he's improved as a shooter too. Like over the years, I, I, he's still only like a 36% spot up three point shooter, and that's average. But at the same time, considering his ability to get to the line, I think he more than makes up for it in terms of that. And plus, Butler's a better defender than George, too. Yeah. The thing, one of the things I like about Butler is he'll be like, I got this guy. Oh, Isaiah, yeah. Tom, oh, let me guard Isaiah for these last two minutes. Oh, I'm going to go get LeBron. Yeah. Like, he'll jump around and do stuff. Which, he's got uh, the dog in him. That's what I like. I like Jimmy Butler. I'm going to admit that. something right now. Particularly. There's like a seven-minute stretch yesterday when I thought Jimmy Butler was happening. When the Bulls made that weird Cameron Payne trade. Yeah, that's I what I thought like, that oh, was about. Rebuild, reboot, blow up. I, I was thinking that the Paul George stuff was just just all a sideshow. That was just a distraction from what was actually happening with Jimmy Butler. Yeah. It's kind of conspiracy theory, partially, you know, sourced a little bit too. But I, I think I think the Butler was actually the real target there. It was like when Tate was in college. How, Tate, when did you get your girlfriend? When did you start dating your girlfriend? Three years ago, four years ago. Before he met his girlfriend, when Tate liked a girl and he would go talk to another girl uh, to make the first girl jealous. <laughs> he told me he used to do that all the time. It's a com- um, common technique. No, but but, uh, <laughs> but that's what the Celts did. They're like, we're going to go over here and talk to Paul George. Paul George, can I get you a drink? And Chicago was like, Whoa, who? they're talking to Paul George. What's going on here? But it didn't work. It's. I think when the thing I'll take away from this deadline is just like you know we look at these things and we look at them in vacuums. We put them in the trade machine and we have these arguments. But then you get into the actual personalities yeah. of the people running these teams, and like logic kind of goes out the window. Well, and everyone's more attached to their person. In the Michael Lewis book, there's this great chapter about Daryl Morey, the new Michael Lewis book, and one of the pieces is about when you get too attached to your own players and stripping away like the attachment to just looking at it logically so it was about like the kyle lowry trade which they were going to trade him for this really nice lottery protected pick and they were afraid to trade him and then they flipped it around and somebody in the room said well if we had that pick would we trade it for kyle lowry and everybody in the room was like no way we'd keep the pick and and then they were like well why wouldn't we do this trade and it was just like they flipped it around and that exercise i wonder if that would happen sometimes like if the Bulls basically, if the Bulls had Jalen Brown and the Brooklyn pick, they wouldn't trade it for Jimmy Butler because they're not going anywhere anyway. But if you know if they'd flipped it around correctly, I would have done that too. I'm fascinated by like the different philosophies each team has when it comes yeah. to decision making because I, I I think like you know I kind of wrote about this earlier this week with the Bulls. I think from what I've heard, there's disagreement within the front office of what direction to go. Yeah, I hear John Paxson's a guy who kind of sees the writing on the wall that they can't build a winning product around Jimmy Butler, whereas Gar Foreman and ownership is like, you know what? We're doing pretty well here. We're still in the playoffs. We get a star player. We're good. Then they like the status quo. Can I quo. tell a Gar Foreman story? Sure. We went to do the Durant podcast two weeks ago, and on the way home, Gar Foreman was on my flight, 
and this was at, I'm going to say noon, the day after the Warriors completely annihilated them as the trade line was getting near. And the flight was about an hour and 20 minutes. And he slept the whole time. <laughs> and I was like, it all makes sense. Don't they have he wasn't, he wasn't on... Uh, you thought he should be on the emergency plane phone? I thought it should be at GoGo Go -Go Air with the 30-minute internet. GoGo -Go Air, like on the trade machine, just coming up with ideas. Now, long nap for guard. Do you think GMs need the trade I machine? I swear to God that happened. What? Don't, did GMs use the trade machine? I think they do. I, I think Magic's going to need it. I hope it. not. <laughs> Magic's like, I got to understand the CBA. I got to take a crash course. It's like, it's not hard. He's yeah. scrolling through the Larry Coon FAQ. Like, uh, what's well, the swap, pick swaps, huh? Magic's wife's like, do you, you want to go see John Wick 2 today? And Magic's going, I can't. I'm on page 25 of the Larry Coon fact. Uh, house. Yes. You you root for one of the worst GMs in the league, Ernie Grunfeld. Are we sure about that? And yet he, he's done an okay job the last couple of years. Do you want to apologize to Ernie? Well, first of all, I don't root for the GM. I root for a team that happens to have a GM, the longest tenure GM without a title on his resume. So mm. congratulations for that longevity. Um, I have absolutely no problem, and I've said it in each instance lately, where the team um, has flipped picks into, uh, you know, sort of veteran talent um, yeah. because they have to do something to build around the two young kids, Beal and Wall, to let them realize, you know, their their full potential. So no complaints whatsoever with um, flipping the one pick uh, in 2017 for Bogbo. Um, as long as Bogbo comes and, and continues to shoot Bogbo. well, we, the, the, <laughs> what's the, going the, on right the now? Almost bullets still need a, a backup point guard, um, and uh, you because know, uh, I don't know if you guys have watched Trey Burks at all. Yeah, it's it's hard to believe he's not in the D League. I mean, it's really hard to believe when he when he's still in in, in the NBA. Um, it's but even... I'm, I'm fine with the B minus move that that EG made here. It's even harder to believe that once upon a time I criticized the Trey Burke draft day trade where they got two first didn't they get two first rounders for him something around a lot Shabazz and and Dang. That's why it's so hard to judge trades like the second they happen, especially the I draft. thought Trey Burke was going to be good. I I actually I, something happened to him. Wonder like I think guys lose their confidence sometimes. He's a completely different player than he was in college. We've talked about this before about like college heroes who then are forced into role player positions, and it's really difficult. They can't for them. do like, it. He was like awesome in Michigan, and, and for point guards, it's like hard for them to transition to the NBA sometimes too. I mean, like look at Chris Dunn this year; he looks terrible. Right. But like five years from now, I mean, we'll see how he looks. It, it just takes a long time for guards to develop. If Trey Burke just flat out doesn't look good though, anyway. Right. And if Chris Dunn was good this year. That's somebody in Sacramento might you know might have they might have jumped on Dunn in a lottery pick and the Pekovic contract for Boogie is a better trade than what they got from New Orleans. I but Chris think, Dunn's been so bad you can't. And Vivek just loved Buddy Hield anyway, and I think that was the difficulty for Vladi Divac is finding a deal that could surpass the Hield offer in Vivek's mind, and I think that's why they're the asking for offer. outrageous offers. <laughs> the Hield offer. That's the funniest thing the I heard this week. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, at the same time. Aren't we all rooting for Buddy Heald to be really good and for the like, Kings to I, I like and for the Kings to have a renaissance mm -hmm. and for Vivek to be vindicated? I think would be one of the most fun outcomes of this season. Like Vivek knew all along 
he saw something in Buddy Heald nobody else saw. <laughs> I mean, you know what? Jaeger has done a lot with a little. He did. He even worked some miracles last year, and I, I, I just it might take the Pelicans a little while to like figure out how to play Boogie and AD together. They also have a pretty poor roster. You know, I was Pass. watching them last night. That was not encouraging. But I know it's the first game. Yeah. But it's just yeah. like. When you see who they bring out there, you're like, Tim Tim Frazier, okay. I had a mailbag question about um, whether New Orleans had like a puncher's chance against Golden State because they're two big guys. It was like, that's fine. Like, those guys could get 70 points and 40 rebounds every playoff game. The rest of their lineup is going to get completely annihilated. It's one of the biggest, their perimeter guys versus Golden State's perimeter guys is one of the biggest mismatches. They just signed Jared Jack. Oh, they just signed Jared Jack, house. He's alive? <laughs> He's alive. House, remember, remember in college when we played with uh, Al Sabloni and he would get I'm, mad when he didn't get the ball? Yeah, Big Al shouldn't have gotten the ball more than he did. No, he, he got, got the, the ball, ball exactly the right amount. Right, but but we all liked him. Like, he would fly off the handle, yeah. but we were, you know, it was it was fine. I think Boogie was like the 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 kind of negative version of that. I think I think he Boogie was got just the ball every time he needed it. Boogie, I know, there was but no problem getting. I but remember Al would yell at me if I didn't pass it to him. I think that Boogie did all that stuff, you know, on and off the court, and I think it wore those guys down. And now I, I think the Kings are probably like, "This is great." They're just like walking around like, "Oh man, they just waited too long with, to do with it." All of that, if you have that knowledge, though, if you know that's the the situation as you approach the season, it's October. Why aren't you doing something then when you still have a modicum of leverage? Like, yeah. What is the point? The only, the only logic I can come up with for the King's disaster, the, the utter catastrophe that they've perpetrated upon their fan base, is they wanted to see whether or not they had a legit shot at making the playoffs this year. That's the only rational um, explanation for why you would go 50 games with Boogie and then run yourself directly into the trade deadline knowing all along that there's no way you're going to hold on to him into the summer and risk um, you know, that, that extension negotiation. You know what I heard, though? Not getting anything for him. You've, I'm sure you've heard this, and I think a couple of people have written about it. It really does seem like there was like a 24-hour window where, where they finally broke Vivek down. And Vivek's like, yeah. mm-hmm. all right, fine. Try to see what you can get, and Vlad was just like, "I'm making it." No, no, and just was like, <laughs> "Gonna make the deal before he changed his mind." Yeah, I, I, I literally think that's the case. It's like like when you go to buy a car and you go in and they they don't want to let you leave until you commit to buying the car. <laughs> that's what that's what Vlad was like. He was probably mobilized. Everyone, like, yeah, we have seven hours. Vuk's gonna change. He's gonna wake up soon from his nap. I, yeah, there's <laughs> we also gotta do like, this now. All these things where it's like you just wonder what else was happening. I, and that's what I'm so fascinated by with the Okafor Noel situation. It's just like what did they? Colangelo came out today and said that this was the best deal available that he could make at the time being. And that basically, I mean, the understanding being that they had no interest in getting into the restrictive free aging game with Noel. But like, I this is just so mind-boggling how we wound up not having the clearly better NBA player on our team. Honestly, also, and people have been talking about this all day. There's no guarantee that Embiid's going to be able to play more than 45, 50 games a season. So Noel's pretty good at Embiid insurance. 45 is high. Yeah. You could have said 20 there, and I would have nodded. Right. So, Chris, I, I, I have a question for you, though. Why wouldn't they enter the summer and, and get into the RFA period with Noel? Why not? Great question. I have no idea. I don't, I don't, I don't, I just don't think Colangelo liked him. 
Yeah. I, I just don't think well, he... Well, the feeling's mutual. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, they, they, what are the and Sixers... And the Philly, the Philly fan base pays the price. He's going to go okay. nuts in Dallas. Thank you, Brian. He's going to be so good on Dallas. I was dying for the Celtics to get him. For the season? You could have told me... That not only did he vote for Trump, but he had a Trump bumper sticker on his on his Jeep and was going to rallies and the whole thing and did all this. Offen- I, I, I would have been like, can he can you mean like Tom Brady? <laughs> it's like Tom Brady? <laughs> That's fine. I deserve that. <laughs> uh, but I, I just think he's going to be really good on the right team. I could see him being, I agree with you, I could see him being awesome on yeah, Dallas. It's a great fit. I would, the thing with Noel that when you watch him and it was just like clearly he's just on the wrong team but like so good at screen and rolls so active around the rim like awesome not just protecting the rim but like flying out yeah. deflecting balls and all this stuff great on transition I was I just wanted to see him on a good team and I kept watching him thinking like man him and Isaiah Thomas on the high screen I, I would get Hass I would get a boner I'm not kidding I understand they, I, not I, like a full I, one but like I a half Celtics, one but I understand that boner yeah and then, and now he's on Dallas. He's gonna do it with Yogi Ferrell. I know who might be good. Did, where'd you have Yogi Ferrell, Connor? Probably like forty, fifty, something like that. Like borderline undrafted. So I mean, that's kind of what happened with him. You didn't I think mean, he was gonna be an All NBA point guard? Oh hell no! <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Yogi Ferrell thought he was gonna be an All NBA point guard. Tate's <laughs> really upset about this. What? Yogi? Tate hates Indiana. <laughs> it's the I, only thing worse than me. I, I think I think with Nerlens Noel, right? I, I think Colangelo should have made a deal before the season. They could have done better then. But I think with Noel, like, would you really want to pay him like close to a max contract with his injury history and you know little rumblings about you know his party habits? Yeah, I mean, uh, he should have taken it to RFA, the restricted free agency. I agree, but maybe you know there is the other side of it where they're like, you know, what, let's just do this now, which they should have done before the season, you know, to allow more playing time for the other guys in their team. That was the whole point of doing it before the year. Yeah. Get guys like Rashawn Holmes playing time because he's a good player and I think you know he could become like a contributor to that team and now they open up that time but it's still a bad deal and we still know. have Okafor yeah which is ridiculous they should have traded him yeah, before Kevin, the year too the problem I have with what you just described is who is playing backup for Embiid they have to have a, 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 a replacement level you know above replacement level backup you guys for are missing, Noel you're missing a key part of this one of the reasons they traded Noel now is to make the team worse yes I know mm. I'm so, aware. I'm aware yeah, of okay. what he's doing. Yeah, and I and I'm aware that he is trying. Kind. Of, I'm aware that Colangelo is essentially doing what Hinky would have done, but trying to make it sound like it was in the best short-term interest of the team as well. He's like, oh, now Dario gets like a more fo-. like you know we got rid of Ilasova, so that Dario has like a more focus. He wanted to get rid of Okafor. I just feel like this this just reeks of like waiting too long and getting screwed by not having any options. And I do think that he wanted to get involved in. A three-way for for Butler for Boston, and he, and he just it, that when that collapsed, he had nothing else to do. Would you have traded him for Terry Rozier, Minnesota's thirty second round pick, which would be like thirty five, thirty six in this year's draft that Boston has, and a conditional two thousand eighteen first round pick that's top twenty two protected, versus the deal you got? Uh, no. What if I gave you the two thousand eighteen first? Unprotected, yeah. My yeah. the Boston one, I guess so. Terry Rozier in the 2018 yeah, I, first. I, I honestly couldn't tell you like what Terry Rozier does on any given night. That's 
Isn't that more than what Dallas it, offered? Yeah, definitely. It just comes down the to Justin Anderson versus pick. Terry Rozier. Yeah, I guess right? I, I, yeah, is it Justin Anderson? Because the Dallas, that's not going to be, they're, they're, they're not going to get that pick. It's going to be two second rounds. I know, I know. That's what. Yeah. That, that's also offensive that they came out and even bothered to try and sell it as a first round pick. Colangelo called a draft compensation today. So, yeah, so, so that, like that, that, they probably read the bash. Uh, I'm back to yeah. bullshit city. This is like yeah. I, I preferred Hinky not talking and then talking about like birds and Warren Buffett <laughs> than having Colangelo give it like every three month update where it's just like we're just gonna no 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 no. It's like I I'd rather have the eccentricity than have this house. This will cheer you up. You spend a lot of money on expensive takeout. I know. I do it. You could just sign up with Blue Apron. Oh. I keep telling you to do that. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron will deliver you all the fresh ingredients you need for a delicious home-cooked meal. They have the highest standards for ingredients. They built a community of home chefs that has no rival. Here's some of the meals available in February. Ooh, that's my favorite part. On Blue Apron, I know. I really love doing the Blue Apron reads with you. Here's some of the meals, house. Cashew chicken stir-fry with tango mandarins and jasmine rice. Wonderful. Udon noodle soup with miso and soft-boiled eggs. No? Yes, udon. Yeah, you like, noodle, you like udon noodle soup. I love udon. Roasted pork with apple, walnut, and farro salad. You definitely eat that. I've seen mm. you eat pork. Mm, mm, mm. Crispy bear Monday with quinoa and roasted carrot salad. A little healthy for you, but you'd eat it anyway because you love food. Keep going. Don't stop. That's all I that's all I have right now. Uh-oh. You can get your first three Blue Apron meals for free with free shipping if you go to blueapron.com slash BS. What was your favorite out of those four house? Cashew chicken stir fry? Uh, yes. You know why? Because I, I would have said udon, but it's 75 degrees here on the East Coast now, so I'm, I'm ready for spring. All right. Blueapron.com slash BS. First three Blue Apron meals for free. With free shipping. What else can we talk about with the trade deadline? You want to talk about the Thunder? Yeah. Dougie McBuckets. Oh, Taj Gibson. Man, I got to do it. It's become a BS podcast cliche at this point. Are we sure Doug McDermott's good? <laughs> he doesn't do a lot else other than what shoot. What does he do? He can shoot the lights shoot. out. I think that can help Russell Westbrook for sure. I mean, he might hurt them on the defensive end, but who cares if he's shooting like 45% on spot-up, so, wide-open so spot-up <laughs> <laughs> he could be Anthony Morrow. But he, Anthony Morrow wasn't making shots. Tate and I saw them in person two weeks ago, and on the way home had the what the hell does Doug McDermott do conversation because it just seemed like that Warriors just had somebody stand next to him, and that was it. He was completely out of the offense. How about the Bulls trading two first-round draft picks for him a couple years ago? Ooh. That's a bad deal. It ended up being Nurkic and Gary Harris, yeah. right? Who are you know oh. Nurkic isn't great right now, but you Gary Harris is Gary a better Harris. player than Doug McDermott. Yeah, for but sure. there were other guys yeah. that could have even taken it eleven oh, yeah. two in the McDermott spot. Definitely, that's I mean, a botch. Bad deal. That was a botch. One of the many bad deals the Bulls have made. It is possible though that all the Bulls, you know, like how long did we hear that Miritic was supposedly this unbelievable guy? Yeah, yeah, and also and it, they couldn't even give him one. I think that that's part of, more of an indictment of like what's happening in, in Chicago that like so many of these guys like that media? have potential. No, not even media. Just like because Miritich isn't Miritich involved in all the Rondo Butler Wade's Wade infighting? It's like that those guys like Butler and Wade don't like Miritich, but like yeah. Rondo does. When we saw him in person two weeks ago, I was riveted by how unhappy he seemed. Yeah, 
It couldn't couldn't stop watching it actually. Should have drafted Rodney Hood. Oh, that could have Rodney Hood with the uh, in that McDermott draft. Yeah, but um, yeah. So for OKC, Taj. That's that's good. Taj is good. That's gonna help. Even if it was just Taj for Cameron Payne, the thing with Payne, who I think might end up being good, I'm actually a believer. That it couldn't have been a worse team for him. You have a guy who's a point guard who's a distributor and needs a ball in his hands. He's playing with Russell Westbrook with the all-time one-man show we've had. You know, like what was he going to do? He can't play with Westbrook. I think the thing with Payne is like even if he becomes a good point guard, which I think he will. I like Payne. He could still be the 25th best point guard in the NBA. Right. Right. I don't know if he has that star potential. I think he's like one of those guys who you're happy to have on your roster. Good starter, but he's not the guy. I think the Bulls, I mean, they, if they were to trade Butler in this draft, they should still target a point guard, I think, in this year. Right. It's a loaded draft. Yeah. House, we did this exercise, O'Connor and I, the other day in the office trying to figure out because the Pelicans are obviously going to overpay Drew Holiday and it's going to be a mistake I'm just telling you right now it's yeah. mid-February it's yeah. already a bad move I'm, ar- I'm already giving them an F-minus for it and it's four months away from <laughs> happening and we're trying to figure out is he one of is he in the bottom third of point guards you want so we went through all the rosters we'd be like you know Boston would rather have Isaiah Thomas like Cleveland would rather have Kyrie go all down the line what do we have ranked? 21st or 22nd? Something like that. I think it was 22. 22. Like maybe it was 22 and a half because we had a couple disagreements in there. Yeah, yeah it was so. somewhere between 21 and 23 yeah. where we had Drew Holiday ranked on the starting point guard. Who would you rather have list? And he's going to get paid he's over 20 make, million. Yeah, at that point, I would just rather roll the dice with the Yogi, hoping for next year's Yogi Ferrell. Going like stopgap dudes or whatever. That's the inherent problem with the Pelicans, too, because once they pay Drew Holiday, they lose cap flexibility, and it's going to be very difficult for them to add good players to that roster that can contribute. And they need more, right? right. That Boogie, Davis, Holiday is a nice core, but they need more than that. So, this is it, seems like what we're getting into now is that last year, this time, there was, there was no cap. Like, there was no such thing as bad deals. We're yeah. just going to throw. These, this money at people we have to get a you know we have to make up all these numbers and now all of a sudden I feel like I'm hearing more and more like that's a bad deal this guy's expiring like, because there's, that, cause the cap's not going it's up it's gonna level year. out right yeah. but like that's to me Drew Holiday has saved the Pelican season like the, he he seems like a, he's like a really good point guard when he's healthy and I would I probably would have him higher than where you guys have him but I understand what you're saying he's like 20 million for Drew Holiday is, is nuts we're gonna have to go through the you list just, He's a the hard thing about it is, if you bite down on him that, that way, sucks. that's your big three. And and where where what's the ceiling for that big three? House, I'm just having like such a hard time. Like it's like how many good like what's like what's the alternative, right? You've got AD it, and it, Boogie. Like, don't you have to kind of put a like as good of a a, a, a supporting cast around them as possible? You need a psychiatrist. That's the, I, I agree with you, Chris. <laughs> so you need those assets that so you would otherwise devote exclusively to Holiday and try and come up with, you know, uh, turn that into two two players or two and a half players. I see. All right, yeah. He, here's the exercise. Ready? You go running back by committee. Then here we go. Golden, I would. Golden State Curry. San Antonio, would you rather have Patty Mills at a cheap contract or Drew Holiday? Patty Mills for cheap. Okay, 0 for 2. Kyrie, 0 for 3. James Harden, 0 for 4. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, John Wall, Chris Paul, we're now 0 for 7 for Drew Holiday. Utah Jazz, would you rather have George Hill? What's George Hill make? Or Drew, well, they're George both Hill free agents. Free free agent. Is George Hill going to make $20 million? Maybe like a level below that, I think. 
but pretty close. I would take Joe Hill cheaper. Not crazy for Utah. That's the right kind of yeah. situation to me, right? He could really help that team get over. All right, so let's give it to him. That's the first one. Yeah. Uh, so there's one. Mike Conley, no. Kyle Lowry, no. Dennis Schroeder at a cheap price or Drew Holiday for $20 million a year? Absolutely Drew Holiday. I, I agree. I'd with rather that. Holiday as well. Okay. I'm not so a Schroeder two. guy. Russell Westbrook. Jeff Teague. Push. I'd rather Holiday. I would rather holiday also. But gonna be right, let's, let's get to know them. What there's the three. Look like. uh, Chicago Bulls, yes, there's four. Detroit Pistons. Drew Holiday. Five. Giannis. That's not fair. It's, it's, he's <laughs> a point guard. Jamal Murray and Moutier or Drew Holiday? Drew Holiday. I, I, for $20 million? I, or would you rather have the, the I'd rather have the, the Denver guys. House, you're the tiebreaker. Me too. I'd rather have the Denver guys. Okay. Dragic? That's a split. How much is Dragic? He's like 17, 18, yeah. and he has like another year left. I'd rather have Dragic. Okay. Same. Um, Sacramento. Ty Lawson. <laughs> Drew Holiday. Uh, Drew Holiday is exactly the kind of player that So that's Sacramento's seven had. teams. Damian Lillard. Kemba Walker. Drew Holiday. No and no. Oh, Trey. Take rid of Drew Holiday than Kemba Walker. He made the All-Star really? team. Do you think that Get the Hornets here, would be better with Drew Holiday than they are with Kemba Walker? Stop Walker's? it, Tate. Yeah. Don't listen to no Tate. Way. He's got an irrational that's Kemba. Rude. Stop it. Uh, Knicks, yes. So there's eight. Would you rather have him or Yogi Ferrell and Seth Curry? <laughs> I'd rather like, have Holiday. Yeah. Yeah. You, you'd yeah. rather spend $20 million for Drew Holiday than a million dollars on Yogi Ferrell and, and Seth Curry. That makes Dallas really interesting, right? Yeah. All right. I'll I mean, give it to you guys. I don't is know Dallas that. using their money on something else? Like, <laughs> if I visit, who's like the guy who's getting paid on Dallas? Minnesota? Drew Holiday. I think I'd rather have the combo of the youth. I mean, if it's one guy, like if it's Holiday over Rubio, I'd take Holiday. But if you're also throwing Dunn in there, like Dunn and it's Rubio, done. I'd rather Dunn and Rubio. I would too. I'd rather have Dunn and Rubio. Okay, okay me too. I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with Kevin. Philly? Drew Holiday. How about TJ McConnell, Chris? Orlando? He's the greatest point guard of all time. I, I, we're just – I'm not I, – I, I, go ahead. Orlando, Orlando, Drew Holiday. Lakers? I'd rather have Russell. I'd rather have the, like the youth. Phoenix? Me too, Russell. Bledsoe, in Brooklyn, you'd rather have Drew Holiday. So that's more teams than when we did yeah. it last time. So now, so, now we so, have him ranked like 19. Yeah, still, that's not great, though. No, that, that, that means he's still, never going to be I'm, an all-star I'm bringing a little bit too much Doug Collins to this but, podcast. Maybe I but, influenced you guys. Drew's a gamer. The, the other factor here, though. <laughs> I've been in some wars with Drew. The other factor, though, is there's like a bajillion point guards coming in this draft. So And some See, of those guys are going to become stars. But that's my point. Like If, if he is not one of the best... 12 to 13 point guards in the league I would just rather roll the dice with what's out there and maybe get a draft pick or something or for or another free agent or get somebody in the cheap I think Drew Holiday point guard surplus I, there is a point guard surplus but I think that Drew Holiday getting 20 mil is not the most egregious person getting overpaid in the NBA right now and I don't really you know I mean I, I just wish that they would stick to a cap so that we could get accrue like a fixed value of players all right, for the record, Drew Holiday's last four seasons, 34 games, 40 games, 65 games, and playing a full year this year. He is basically 15. Well, he missed the first part of the season. He's 15 and 7 every game. He's a, 
a okay three point shooter, not great. He's around 37, 38%. He does not really get to the free throw line. He does not rebound at an above average rate. I don't know. I don't see it. He's I a, would not want to pay him twenty. Million. I don't want to pay twenty million dollars for somebody who's not an all star. Are you sure he's going to? He's going to get that kind huh? of money. He's an excellent defender, though. Okay. So I mean, that's something that's hard to look at with the stats. Fair I, point. I, I think. I think Holiday. Look, the Pelicans are in a spot they have to pay him. I mean, you can't let Drew Holiday walk because they don't have any Why? alternatives. They don't have. Who are who's they going to get? Him? Well, but but the Celtics are in this conundrum, right? A little bit because people are like, oh, they they overpaid Al for Al Horford. Al Horford does a lot of good things at a really high level and the stats I don't think totally reflect all the stuff he does maybe Drew Holiday maybe the defensive stats well I think that's why if you're the Pelicans you're you're better off you know you're in a spot where you have to resign Holiday because you don't have alternatives and then you know if you do miss the playoffs and you get lucky you win the lottery and you somehow manage to keep your pick you get another top player too whereas if you do make the playoffs you get no chance, and the drop falls off after the top 10 guys because they need more, and they don't have the cap flexibility to add more through free agency, and they mm-hmm. probably don't have the asset flexibility to do it through trade. So the best-case scenario is for the Pelicans to somehow get lucky in the lottery and manage to add another guy that they need because that's their only path to getting him. That would only be if the league, league rigged the lottery. Yes. Like they did it for Derrick Rose that year. Yeah, we would just put to save basketball in the world. What's the over-under for rigged lotteries, do you think? <laughs> Three? Like seven and a half? Oh yeah, you get you're higher than me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm always I'm always suspicious of the lottery. <laughs> um, no, I don't think they rig it. I think that this is like a really, really like it's totally. a deeply philosophical question. Yeah. What, like if you we just spent the first part of this podcast talking about how Brandon Ingram isn't that good, but like last last year at this time everybody was freaking out of Brandon Ingram, and it's like the, the, it, I was under the impression that Brandon Ingram was going to come into the league and set it on fire. You know, like based on the way that we were talking about it, is even if you got faults. Is that a better option for the current Pelicans than... Well, that's that's a totally different level of guy, though. Okay, but like, is Fultz coming into the league Ingram next year? Wasn't a sure, Ingram wasn't even remotely a sure thing. None of these guys are going to come in next year and, and light it up, right. I don't think. I mean, I think, you know, for the Pelicans, right? I Lonzo's at, dad is furious right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Lon, okay, sorry, LeVar. But, but I, think, I think for the Pelicans, it's like they can't go all in right now because they don't have the flexibility so in a sense like they need to manage and have this good team this you know 500 team and then have that young star player that comes up they wanted that to be buddy healed and obviously they got him for a star but if they get another guy somehow being able to get lucky in the lottery and keep that pick that's the guy in three years when it comes time where davis's contract is coming up where you already have boogie locked up where then it's like okay now we're looking good we have our big three it could be you know it could be false. It could be um, Lonzo Ball, or it could be one of the forwards too, for that or matter. Or trade Boogie this summer. Flip the asset. Hmm. That'd be sneaky. To the Wizards. Pass, <laughs> you still awake? Still, still in play. I mean, you know, some of you uh, on the pod earlier this week, I think with uh, Verno. Um, talked about uh, Beal for you were just going running through each team and saying whether or not teams would do deals. I would have done Beal for for Boogie. I would have done that immediately, and I would have done it straight up. No two, not, not no hesitation. Well, because ha- House is worried about his legs. That's fair, but at the House same is, time, House, yeah, is, House has fair. had enough of stress but, fractures with Bradley Beal. But then you'd the be worried sentence. about Boogie's personality once you have well, him on your own team. Well, he's got John Wall, Boogie and Wall, yeah. Scotty Brooks. 
That, that's a love affair. House's, House's 180 on Scotty Brooks has been one of the highlights of my <laughs> Look, NBA Scott season. Scott Brooks made Kelly Oubre into a real thing. Like That that guy should get coach of the year. And Otto Porter. Gee, Otto Porter's going to get It's not my max. 180, by the way. I, I had an open mind. You're the one. You, I, yeah. And before the season started, I gave uh, the Washington professional basketball team the benefit of the doubt at exceeding the uh, over-under and exceeding the Randy Whitman uh, you know, you feeling. And here we are. You did. You don't think Fultz could come in and be good right away? I mean, he could contribute, but uh, like you mean, like making a, a super big winning impact where like you're putting him out there at the end of the fourth quarter. I think he can contribute, but I don't know if he'll be a guy where he's like really making a big difference. You know, at end of game situations, which is really when it matters. I'm so impressed by how he can get his shot off. He's good. I feel like he can do that at any level. My thing with him is his his is his shot for real. I don't think he's as good as like 42, 43%, whatever he is from three. I think he's a good shooter. I don't think he's this great shooter that, that he is right now. And like we get tricked by that all the time with these small samples in college where guys play only 30 games right. and like five shots well, can make the difference between 36% and 42%. So I like Fultz, but I don't think he's a great shooter like he looks like he's been. You like him, Chris? I love Fultz. He's awesome. What do you think, House? I love him too, but to Kevin's point, the three-point line is also seven feet shorter in college, so it's not really a good indication. He's a good mid-range jumper, um, is what that means in the NBA. Least surprising headline on a, on a major sports website right now: Sixers rookie Simmons won't play this season. Yeah, that's a shock. Mm. They got to get some better MRI machines in play. Philadelphia. I feel like they, they have a couple too many, like, oh, wait, the scan's different now. Be a little more honest with the injury timelines, too. Yeah. House, if I did the trade value column, where would you put Simmons, just out of curiosity? Uh, top, how, how many, how long, how let's many guys are we going to put in the column this year? Let's say it was a top 60. 60? I'd put him in, you know, 55, 56, something like that. He's inside of it. Chad Ford just put up his uh, his mock draft 3.0. Fultz one, Lonzo two, Josh Jackson three. No surprises there. Malik Monk. I'm, I'm number guy. four. I'm in love with Malik Monk. Philadelphia. Your yeah. guy. I'm in Philadelphia. Love with, I'm fine with that. Okay. Yeah. Dennis Smith five. Ugh, not a, not a fan. Not a fan either. Jonathan Isaac six. Jason Tatum seven to the Sacramento mm-hmm. Kings. Perfect. Tate's delighted about that. <laughs> Frank Nitalikina to the Knicks. Nitalikina? How do you say it? Uh, I think it's Nitalikina or Tillikina. One of those two. So the Not Knicks, sure if the end is silent. The Knicks taking a French guy. I'm sure that'll go great. <laughs> Laurie Markinen, number nine to Dallas. I'm, we I'm, all I'm, like a, him. I'm a big fan. All of I'm us like Markinen. Yeah. It's a good one. Also sounds like a die, like the Die Hard 7 yeah. villain. Yeah. Like Lori Markkinen has killed John McClain's family. Brother. <laughs> yeah, De'Aaron Fox ten to Sacramento. Can't shoot. Also perfect. Can't shoot. Where would you guys rank Ben Simmons in this draft? Where would you take him? Harry Giles eleven. Th- I put Ben Simmons in the top three. There is no okay. effing way you, Harry Giles goes eleven. I think maybe four, three or four. Yeah, Kevin, so where, are the, where are the odds Harry Giles goes in the top eleven? I'm going to go with zero. I think if there's a team where they're thinking to themselves, like, we hate everybody after this top group, then maybe you take a shot at him. So he's the Thon maker of this year's draft? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, I think my question with Harry Giles is, is he, is like, when he was the number one high school recruit, was he as, like, spectacular as we all thought he was? 
because I mean he can't he's not a good shooter from the outside and we know how valuable that is with big men in today's NBA uh not a good free throw shooter so, uh so it's like good defender can protect the rim can switch pick and rolls and he's athletic and he can pass the ball a little bit too but at the same time it's like shooting is really 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 important for big men in today's NBA and he, ne- and he hasn't had that skill and he hasn't flashed it who yet are either. you who are you in love with right now if you get Tate Bam's not in Chad's top 30 has do you like Bam in Kentucky? Uh, incomplete. Um, I've only seen flashes, and Tate I, and I like Bam. Start, we're the, we're in the bandwagon. Yeah. Tate and I are in the okay. top two in the Bam bandwagon. You guys should watch watch Justin Patton from Creighton. I like him a lot. Okay, really raw big man can do a lot of things well. Can shoot the ball. Kevin Good loved Brogdon last year. Yeah, I'm, I'm high on Brogdon. Who, give me a couple other sleepers to check out. I, I, I talked to Brogdon at the combine last year, and you and, did. You know, yeah, and I was like, "How are you not, you know, ranked in the top 25 for everybody?" And he's like, "I don't know either. You know, I'm going to come in right away and, and make an impact. You know, because like I know my role, I know what I'm good at. I'm not going to step outside of that. And that's exactly what we've seen. But other sleepers this year, yeah. I mean, I I still love OG Ananobi from Indiana, and if he were to come out, despite the torn ACL, like he's a guy I'd gamble on in like the middle of the first round. Despite that, because look, I mean, I I have a type where I always fall in love with these forwards who are super athletic and can defend but can't shoot. Yeah. And Ananobi kind of falls into that like, category. Like, you think you can teach him to shoot? Well, the, the teams can teach him to shoot. Yeah, like, I just think yeah. everything you hear about him is he's a good kid, like a hard worker. So those are two perfect ingredients for someone to. To improve their shot but at the same time not every team has a shooting coach so how are you if, feeling about lonzo right now i'm loving lonzo okay. man i i think his lonzo. basketball iq is just lonzo the only flaw is his dad and how he talks him up as the next better than Stephen curry would you take lonzo or Fultz if you were the celtics and you got the number one pick if i were the celtics i think i'd rather Fultz, just because i think his ability to sw- I just think he's more versatile on both ends of the floor. I think you can use him in either role, whereas Lonzo Ball, I mean, in both situations, though, really, how does that impact Isaiah Thomas? Like, would he be happy with, like, a team drafting a point guard? I think guard? Lonzo makes more sense for the Celtics if Cause he you're going to build around Isaiah. Better shooter? Well, better shooter, but also can go anywhere. You just tell him to do whatever. Lonzo, I, go over I there. Lonzo, handle the ball. Lonzo, play small forward. Like, he'll do anything. What was your question, Asa? I have a question for Kevin about Lonzo's um, shooting stroke, and I'm going to make a ridiculous analogy here. It, 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 it strike, it's, I'm curious about it. It feels like it might be really susceptible to being defended at, uh, at the NBA in a way that college can't defend it. And the stupid analogy is I think about um, dumb Tim Tebow's throwing motion and how long <laughs> it took him to um, throw a pass in the NFL and why that ultimately defeated his uh, success. And I worry about Lonzo with that, that pocket, um, that shoulder pocket sh- shooting style, and whether you know, he, he can be sort of groomed out of that. So with Lonzo Ball, I, like, like we talked about earlier with Fultz, I don't think Fultz is actually like a 42, three point, 42% three-point yeah. shooter. I, I kind of feel the same way about Lonzo Ball. But with that said, I feel really good about Lonzo Ball being like a great shooter off the catch. I think despite his weird, funky mechanics, that slingshot, I think he'll be a good shooter off the catch. My concern, and this is kind of like where I have my hang-up with him, is I don't think he can create his shot off the dribble with that weird, with those weird mechanics. Right. Like you watch him, he has, I agree. This, he has this weird, like look closely, like next time you watch him play, when he pulls up from mid-range or three, 
there's this weird pause. Like as he stops his dribble, yeah. As he stops his dribble, he adjusts the ball on his hands and like he doesn't go straight up in his shot. And that's what like separates the Steve Nashes and the Stephen Currys of the world. Like they can create their dribble and create space, but they also just fire straight into their shot and ball isn't at that level. Let's ask let's ask Ball's dad for his comments. Don't you dare talk about my son like that, Kevin. Get, just make a little He's tweak. the best player since Steph Curry. Just to make a little tweak, LeVar, to your son's mechanics, and he'll be great. Yeah, I, I, I love Lonzo. Yeah, he's so fun. I just think when you when your IQ is that high in a basketball court, you're going to be fine. He'll you, figure it you out. figure it out. And that's what you happened see, he with He might Brogdon. be like a genius. That's what happened with Malcolm Brogdon. I don't know if Brogdon's a genius. He's pretty smart. They call him the president for a reason. They call but he might be a genius like he might be running his own company someday. I think he Lonzo's could, like a hoop savant. Yeah, I, I think I think Brogdon. I mean, we're talking, we're comparing like a second round pick to our top three pick. Yeah, but yeah. I, I think in terms of b ball IQ, I think like those guys tend to figure it out at some level. So NBA Finals odds: Warriors minus two twenty, Cavs plus three sixty. San Antonio, what do you think their odds are, House? Uh, plus five. 25. 10 to 1. 5 to 1. 10 to 1. 10 to 1. Wow. Celtics. 10 to 1? Celtics, your fourth best odds, 30 to 1. Houston, your fifth best odds, 40 to 1. Clippers, 50 to 1. Raptors, Wizards, 60 to 1. 60 to 1. I don't know. That That seems high for the Wiz. I, I I think the Raptors and the Wizards are kind of tasty there. I'm just glad we're in the conversation. Yeah, I like so we didn't talk about Ibaka and PJ Tucker. I, I feel like you really have to be a diehard die league pass psychopath to even have an opinion on PJ Tucker. I I was waiting to see where he would go. He's the kind of guy I could see in the in a series going at LeBron, getting in it like annoying him, frustrating him, starting to thing, pushing this guy. Like he's kind of perfect. And I like Ibaka on that team too. I'm really interested to see uh, what they're going to look like. What do you think, Kevin? I like Tucker, too, especially for the price they got him. Yeah. I think P.J. Tucker, like that's what you're getting him for. I don't think he's a good shooter. You know, He's like 34 35%, and he doesn't do a lot else offensively, but what he can do is switch on defense. He's versatile. He's hard-nosed on defense. He's just a great energy guy, and yeah. those are important in the playoffs. I, and, I love it. I love I love the two moves because I feel like it's Masai putting pressure on Cleveland. Like You can't sleep through the playoffs. Right. We're showing up. What do you think, House? Yeah, I I gave um, Toronto the highest grade for the trade deadline in my own um, internal rankings. Uh, And I I really fear Toronto. Um, Maybe not, they don't have enough time to win enough games to grab the two seed, but um, I think they're the most legitimate threat to to Cleveland. They're they're now, to me, um, at least by roster uh, construction, ahead of both Washington and Boston. So the Celtics... Cleveland has 40 wins. Celtics have 37. Washington has 34. Toronto has 33. So you need to stay ahead of Toronto. You want to play the Celtics in round two, right? I mean, that, that's a no-brainer. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. And, and it's a bad matchup for us. Like That'll also just be so fun. That'll be a great, great one. Can, There's can a lot of bad wear blood. all black the entire time? <laughs> like 10 guys in all black. House, do you think that'll affect our friendship? We've never had our teams go against each other in really anything. Uh, I don't think it'll affect our friendship. Yeah, I don't think you so still either. like to eat, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. We're, we're good. We're good. I don't think our teams have ever competed in any sport. 
in in any playoff series that I can remember. Well, it's because Washington's been terrible and you know for thirty years. <laughs> yeah, the most fun round two is Cleveland versus Toronto, Boston versus Washington. That's this awesome. Is a slam dunk. That would be great. It would and also then, be the first time in a while that second round Eastern Conference playoffs would be really exciting. Yeah, and then on the other side. Hmm. I guess. I, do we want to see a a Warriors Clippers series at this point? No. Not we giving up night. on that series. I, I, want, I want Rockets Warriors. Doesn't matter what round. I think the Rockets could really could really really give them a run for their money, especially after getting Lou Williams. I, yeah, I love we that. didn't talk about that. I love that trade. So they have much. shooters all over the place. They have two creators when Harden's out mm. of the lineup, and two just irrational confidence. Uh, heat check guys, Gordon and, and Williams. You got, I mean, Gordon's like rational and irrational, but Lou Williams could win a playoff game. When is the last time a team had like the top two sixth men of the year candidates, two guys that can go off for 25 points on any night coming off their bench? Lou Williams is like one of the best pick and roll ball handler playmakers this season. Right. And he was for the playing for the Lakers. Yeah. Now he's playing on the floor with Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson, and he could sh- share minutes with James Harden. I think if they're, <laughs> crazy. If they're healthy, the Warriors are going to annihilate everybody. Like I don't. Th- this is really adorable that you guys are like the Rockets. I think but- Houston. Houston's gonna game the math. No, I wrote this today. They're gonna shoot sixty threes. They're gonna hope Harden has one game where he goes for like fifty eight or some crazy thing and he wins. And then the other ones are just gonna hope they go like twenty five for sixty from three. They shot fifty last night. Did you see that? I did. Yeah. Against the Pelicans. And D'Antoni said he wants to shoot fifty threes per game, like the rest of the season. He wants that to be their average. If I'm the Warriors. And I know I'm going to make the finals unless something funky happens. What's funky? Funky is, oh, my God, we ran into that team that shot 45% from three and took 63s a game. Like, how, we couldn't compete with the math. That's the only way they're going to lose. Couldn't they compete with that math really easily? They could, but they'd have to make shots, you know? I don't know. I, I think what you're saying if, is if Golden State has one of those cold streaks, right? Yeah. They were, and then Houston just happens to catch fire at that time. Like That's just just circumstantial. Right? I'm more optimistic than you are. I'm not optimistic at all. How, how, how many games will the Warriors beat the Rockets and Chris? Five. I think Hillary has this election, says Chris Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Hillary didn't have KD and, and The 2016 Steph. finals is over, KD said Chris Ryan. KD and probably could have beat Trump. <laughs> Turn the TV off. The Falcons are up 25, <laughs> said Chris Ryan. Okay. Okay. It's the year that don't yeah. write in anything in, in pen. Okay. Mm. Damien Chazelle, uh, like, accepting his Oscar award, says, thanks, Bill Simmons. And Damien Steve Curl lifting the Larry O'Brien. It's not. I just, I, I've just, but the watching the Warriors over the last couple of weeks, I just don't, don't see it. It is, it is the unsolvable problem. I think with the Warriors, they haven't even unleashed everything they can do yet. I agree with like, you. Where is the Durant-Stephen Curry pick and roll? They're not running that very often at all. I mean, there's little instances where they do it, but once they unleash that, how do you stop that? They had a 50-point third quarter against the Clippers. I know they didn't have Chris Paul, Crazy. but that was, they were absolutely inflamed last night. If they re-sign Bogut after he gets bought out, that would be it. That's such a fun wrinkle. If Bogut goes back, he's a coward. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't don't actually mean that. (laughs) Undisputed. Coming up next, my take. Does Bogut have enough bravery to stay away from him? You're a coward, Andrew Bogut. (laughs) I wouldn't go back, but I'm, I'm spiteful. I wouldn't. I'd be like, you just got. You guys got rid of me now. You want me back? If you're him, 
I would go to Cleveland. Okay, that'd be fun. To, and or I would go to Houston. Would be the other one. I think I'd go to. Houston. I don't think it was. I don't think it was an accident that Houston just mysteriously cleared three point three million of buyout space on their. Uh, and and Maury said yesterday in like a post interview, I forget which show it was or if it was a conference call or whatever, but he said like, you know, we out of all the contending teams, we have the most money we can offer. And it's like, so obviously they're going to go for somebody out there and Bogut would be awesome for them. And let's be honest, Andrew Bogut's Twitter feed makes a lot more sense in Texas. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> right, Tate? He's happy in Texas. Yeah, he likes Texas. <laughs> yeah. He's very comfortable. Hey, we love having great advertisers support our show. But in order to keep doing that, we need your help. So please go to podsurvey.com slash BS and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you a little better. I mean, the podcast is free. It's not like we're asking a lot here. That way we can show advertisers just how great our listeners are. Even if you've taken our show's podcast listener survey before, the current one is new and different. I would love for you to take it all over again. Plus, once you've completed the survey, you can enter to win a $100 Amazon gift card. So go to podsurvey.com slash BS and have your chance to win a gift card. Do it for us. Come on. I don't ask for much. All right. Any last things we got to cover on the NBA? Did we hit everything? House, did we cover everything? It feels like we got everything covered. Is that? Are you just saying that because you're hungry and you have to go? Uh, I drank a lot of water at lunchtime. <laughs> oh. Uh, before you go, will you tell us what's going to happen with Tiger Woods in 2017? Because yet again, I have Tiger Woods blue balls. Um, I would get some ice. Uh, I believe they're going to stay very blue for the for the balance of the season. I don't have high hopes for him. He may he might come out and play two or three times. I don't think he's going to complete four rounds of golf this season. It seems like he's not physically able to do so this latest back set back i believe to be much more dramatic than um what he and his camp have revealed he was not mm. able to show up to a press conference that would benefit his own new um corporation and the charity in la um that backstopped the the tournament at riviera so um i think it's best to, to have the absolute lowest expectations possible for tiger for the balance of 2017 Chris Ryan, what are you looking forward to most in the last 28 games of the NBA season? Uh, the first real, like, Boogie and Davis clicks, you know, just amazing 60-point, 70-point game from the two of them, and I think the first 160-point Rockets explosion. Kevin? Can I look ahead till May? Sure. Draft lottery night. That's going to change a lot of things when we look ahead to the offseason, depending on how that shakes out. could change everything for the options for... Paul George or Jimmy Butler this offseason. The Lakers one's going to oh. be super exciting. Mm-hmm. So right now we have Brooklyn as the number one spot locked up, but then you have Phoenix at 39 losses, the Lakers at 39, and Orlando at 38, and then Philly lurking at 35 in May. I mean, at some point they're going to have to take out TJ McConnell and just, like, he might have to disappear. Yeah, he and, he and Joel Embiid are going to have to go on a cruise You know, yeah. that stalls out somewhere in the South Pacific. <laughs> They need to take him to South America and then tell him to get in a Jeep and drive around on a mountain for a while and see, see if the locals come out and get a little man, little uh, proof of life reference. Man of fire? Yeah. What are we doing that podcast? Whatever you want. I am looking forward most to the Celtics making a run at that Cleveland number one seed. I think they're going to sit LeBron for a couple games. It only takes you know, like one them. LeBron, t- I, my t- my calf's tight, I'm out mm-hmm. for two weeks type of thing. It would just be, 
I don't know. Cleveland's going to make the finals, but at least it would be nice to have to make them come to a game seven in Boston. Be fun. You know, and I, I do kind of wish they had their own so well. Anyway, all right. Enjoy the weekend. Check out, uh, check out um, my new column that went up uh, at some point Friday afternoon. Sunday night Oscar show. Sunday night Oscar show? What's that one? Greenwald, me, and Dobbins. Sunday night live? Yeah. After That's the exciting. Yeah. Periscope and Facebook? Yep. We might have tuxes on. We'll we see. might have tuxes on? Yeah. Why didn't you bring this up sooner? <laughs> we were busy trying to figure out whether Drew, Ardo, Drew Holiday is better than <laughs> Alfred Payton of Bag of Rocks. <laughs> uh, go check out our, all of our uh, old podcasts. Don't forget to check out SeatGeek. Download the free SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. And, uh, and good luck to my friend Jimmy Kimmel, who's hosting the Oscars in front of an audience. About $110 million. Or $100 million, $10 million, How many people watch the Oscars? Hundred million? Whatever you say. All he needs <laughs> All he needs is one Donald Trump tweet within the first forty minutes and he's off. I think that's past his bedtime. He's off. You think so? Yeah. Well, the person controlling Donald Trump's Twitter account, just one tweet. Just one tweet to get the ball rolling. Anyway, enjoy the weekend and we will be back next week on the BS podcast.